0: This is Dr. Samantha Shapiro, Executive Editor of Harrison's Principles of Internal Medicine. Harrison's Podclass is brought to you by McGraw-Hills Access Medicine, the online medical resource that delivers the latest trusted content from the best minds in medicine. And now, on to the episode. Hi,
1: everyone. Welcome back to Harrison's Podcast. We're your co-hosts. I'm Dr. Kathy Handy.
2: And I'm Dr. Charlie Weiner, and we're joining you from the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Today's episode is a 50-year-old's perimenopausal woman.
2: Kathy, today you're seeing a long-standing patient who's 50 years old and is entering menopause. She's not had a period in the last 10 months, and over the last six months has had worsening hot flashes, night sweats, and vaginal dryness. She's sexually active with one partner, and they use barrier methods for contraception. Today, she'd like to have a conversation with you regarding the use of hormone replacement therapy to control her hot flashes and her night sweats.
1: All right. I don't think we've discussed menopause, so let's do a quick review. So menopause is the permanent cessation of menstruation due to loss of ovarian follicular function. It's diagnosed retrospectively after 12 months of amenorrhea, so she's just about there at 10 months. In the U.S., the average age at menopause is 51. So again, she's pretty typical in that sense. Perimenopause refers to the time period preceding menopause when fertility wanes and menstrual cycle irregularity increases until the first year after cessation of menses. The onset of perimenopause typically precedes the final menses by two to eight years with a mean duration of four years. And by the way, interestingly, smoking accelerates the menopausal transition by about two years.
2: What about her symptoms? She described hot flashes, night sweats, vaginal dryness. Are they clearly associated with menopause?
1: There's strong evidence that the menopausal transition can cause hot flashes, night sweats, irregular bleeding, and vaginal dryness, and there's moderate evidence that it can cause sleep disturbances in some women. There's inconclusive or insufficient evidence that ovarian aging is a major cause of um, mood swings or depression, impaired memory or concentration, somatic symptoms, urinary incontinence, or sexual dysfunction.
2: Okay, so let's get to the question. The question is asking, Hormone therapy in menopausal women has been shown to decrease the risk of A, breast cancer, B, coronary artery disease, C, endometrial cancer, D, hip fractures, or E, pulmonary embolism.
1: Okay, this is really important, and we're not going to have time to cover all aspects of hormone therapy in this episode, but let's start off, first of all, with the two broad forms of hormone therapy that have been studied in menopausal women. So when we talk about hormone therapy, we're talking about either estrogen alone or estrogen in combination with progestin. Studies have shown different results for some of the clinical outcomes, so there is some subtlety. But let's start with why she came to see us today, and it is true that either of those um, options for hormone therapy, estrogen alone or the combined hormonal therapy, will decrease her vasomotor symptoms. And it's also true that either therapy will increase bone mineral density and then will decrease the risk of hip fracture by about 33%.
2: Okay, so the answer to our question today is that hormonal therapy in her will decrease her risk of hip fracture.
1: Yes, that's right.
2: Well, let's discuss the others, and let's start with the simplest.
1: Okay, there's a definite increased risk of pulmonary embolism and deep venous thrombosis with either estrogen alone or the combination in postmenopausal women.
2: Sounds like things get more complicated once we start talking about cancers and cardiovascular disease. So uh, let's try to cover what we can.
1: So both are interesting and complicated. It turns out that the different formulations of hormone therapy have different results in terms of cancer risks. And to make it clear, there are no clear benefits of hormone therapy for either cancer, but there are risks. There's a definite increased risk of breast cancer with at least five years of use of estrogen progestin replacement therapy. However, that increased risk was not seen with estrogen alone. For endometrial and other cancers like ovarian and colorectal, the risks can vary with the formulation.
2: Okay, so this is pretty complicated stuff. What about cardiovascular disease?
1: Cardiovascular disease is similarly complicated in that there are differences by the age that women start the hormonal replacement therapy and the formulation.
2: So obviously a lot of work to be done on this, and she was right to come in and have the conversation. Any uh, new developments?
1: Yeah, in 2023, there was a new FDA approval for a medication called Fezalinitant, an oral medication for the treatment of moderate to severe hot flashes caused by menopause. So there is more work being done on on menopause and menopausal symptoms.
2: So it's possible there is a drug that is not a hormone that could be useful for just some of her vasomotor symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a remarkably complicated topic. But for today, the teaching points are that in menopausal women, Hormone therapy with either estrogen alone or an estrogen-progesterone combination can definitely decrease the vasomotor symptoms such as night switch and hot flashes. It can also decrease the risk of bone fractures, most notably hip fractures. However, there are definite and probable increases in risk of breast cancer, endometrial cancer, and cardiovascular disease that depend on the formulation and the timing of the therapy.
1: And uh, to read more and learn more about this, you should check out Harrison's chapter on menopause and
0: postmenopausal hormone therapy, which details these issues. Thanks for listening to Harrison's Pod Class. You can listen to this episode and more on accessmedicine.com, which includes the complete Harrison's Principles of Internal Medicine text, Harrison's review questions, which complement and expand upon the questions in this episode, and much more. AccessMedicine.com may already be available to you via your academic institution. Check it out.